daily podcast on the Iowa Hawkeyes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Hawkeye Nation, to a Wednesday morning episode of the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast, your daily podcast covering your Iowa Hawkeyes on the Locked On Podcast Network. As always, I am your host, Andrew Wade, and if you are on the YouTube channel, you see a very special guest with me. On today's episode of the show, we are joined by former Northwestern player. Um, I would call him an Iowa killer for at least uh, the amount of points he is putting up in games versus Iowa and his playing career, and now Big Ten analyst Trey Demps. Trey, my man, how are you doing today, buddy? I'm doing well, Andrew. Thank you for having me on, man. Absolutely, man. It's a pleasure to have you on. I'm really excited to get into your career and also your experience with Iowa. Uh, we chatted very briefly before the show, and I think uh, you were kind of surprised by some of the reactions from Iowa basketball fans about this basketball team. So definitely mm-hmm. going to get into that. But first, I want to thank all of you Hawkeye fans out there for making us your first listen every single day. You can find us wherever you get podcasts at. You can also find us on YouTube as well. So, Trey, my man, uh, how did you end up at Northwestern? You played there for a couple seasons um, out of Texas, I believe. How did you end up at Northwestern? Yeah, so it's kind of an interesting story. So, uh, yeah, I went to high school in San Antonio, Texas. My dad was working with the San Antonio Spurs uh, when I was in high school. And uh, every year he would go to Chicago for the pre-draft camp. And so my junior year, I went with him. I played pickup at DePaul in Northwestern, visited Loyola, you know, just kind of saw some of the Chicago schools. And at that particular time, uh, nobody was recruiting me. None of those schools were recruiting me. But then as soon as the um, the circuit kind of kicked off where the coaches could kind of come see you play in the summer, um, a few weeks after that, Northwestern was my first offer from a Power 5 conference school and was a team that seemed to want me the most. So kind of just went there along, obviously, with the academics. So it was kind of an easy choice. Absolutely, man. And um, after that, you ended up playing overseas for a couple of years. Uh, what was your favorite place to play overseas? Ooh, yeah. So I, it's always interesting when people ask, because I think the it's a different answer when you say favorite place to play versus favorite place to live. Yeah. So for me, my favorite place to live by far was uh, Greece. We were on a Greek island um, called yeah. Rhodes, a little bit like 10 miles from Turkey. It was beautiful. The food was amazing on the beach every day. But the basketball was terrible. That's that's another story. <laughs> so from a living standpoint, it was Greece playing probably Italy, to be honest, Um it was just a lot. It was a free game in Italy. Like there wasn't a lot of structure in Europe. A lot of times there's structure. There's a lot of uh, tactics used in the game. And so in Italy, it was more kind of a pro style uh, approach to the game, especially on the offensive end. So probably enjoyed playing in Italy the most. Nice, man. And where were you at in Italy? So I played two different places. I played in um, a city called Promona, uh, which is in the north. And then I played for a team uh, called San Severo, which was in the South. So got two different kind of experiences there. Absolutely, man. Italy is one of my favorite countries I've ever been to. Um, I've done a lot of, so I used to do a lot of interviews for like the Iowa United when they had that TBT team. Um, mm. And so I talked a lot of those guys about their European experiences. And it's always wild to hear the different experiences they had, uh, what were some of their favorite places to be at, um, and also just how different the European game is compared to the American game. I don't think people realize um, how all. different it is. It's a completely different experience and how you play your game is also different over there as well. 
Well, that's super cool. Now, now you're actually a Big Ten analyst. So how did you go from Northwestern to overseas to now being a Big Ten analyst? That's funny. Um, so I had or I have uh, kind of a chronic hip injury. And so, you know, it was very limiting uh, to what I could do on the court or limited me, I should say. And so, you know, just was kind of going through that. I had hip surgery, um, you know, still not officially like official, 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 you know, retired, but, <laughs> you know, enjoying what I'm doing now. We'll say that. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, you know, I was just kind of brainstorming, trying to figure out what I wanted to do. I wanted to play, you know, 10 plus years. And so, um, you know, I, I knew that I loved sports journalism, media. I love to write, honestly. That's probably uh, what's most natural for me. But obviously, you know, there, I knew that that might take some time and that the best opportunity would probably be in the broadcasting space and being an analyst. And I know that I knew that the Big Ten Network had taken a ton of former players. So I just reached out, you know, just sent some emails and um, told them if there was any opportunities, you know, to, you know, if they could consider me. And then, uh, you know, I spoke to the executive producer on the phone and they got me in for an audition. The audition went well enough and, uh, you know, got some opportunities this year. So it was, it was great, crazy kind of how everything yeah. worked out. So just I'm really appreciative to the Big Ten Network for giving me the opportunity. That's super cool. Um, I think for any people listening out there, I think the, the, the key thing to take away from that is you got to shoot your shot, right? Uh, gotta shoot I, your shot. If you don't shoot your shot, you're never going to make it. Um, I actually have the exact, like getting on this network. I literally bugged David Locke for right. probably three months, every week emailing him saying, you don't know me, but I guarantee you want to hire me. Bring me on. If yeah. I was like, can you just stop emailing me? Like we will like, let's just talk. He's like, all right, fine. We'll give you a chance. <laughs> don't screw it up. Here you go. So um, that's how I ended up here. And four years later, I'm I'm still here. So not doing something wrong, I guess. But uh, yeah, definitely. For sure. Yeah, you got it. Because it's like, they're, you know, these people at the top, like they were once young people trying to mm -hmm. get enough. So that's how I thought. You yeah. know what I mean? Like the David Locks, the, uh, you know, all the executive producers who are making big time dollars now, like they were all trying to at one point get an opportunity. So it's like. They, they understand where you're coming from. Yeah. And like I said, if you don't do it, you're never going to know if you could get it. So worst thing they can do is say no. <laughs> yeah. You're like, oh, well, who cares? I move on. I keep trying, whatever it might be. So uh, love that, man. And, and you talked about you're not officially retired, uh, but you do love the, the journalism side. You want to get into writing. Um, if you had to choose, what would be your long, like, what would be your long term goal 10, 20 years down the road? You know, I, I, as I've done this, I would say I would love to be able to do uh, broadcasting, be an analyst full time, you know, to be able to have a full schedule for the college basketball season, you know, have 40, 50 games, 20, 30 studio appearances. You know, that's kind of what it takes to make a living out of it. So that, that's my goal. You know, that's what I'm, I'm working towards. And um yeah, just trying to improve every single day, control the things I can control. Like I said, the Big Ten Network has been awesome to me, um, giving me feedback, giving me opportunities. So I can't say enough about that. 
super exciting, especially if they're working with you to grow uh, your skill set as well. Super cool, man. Um, so obviously you watch a lot of Big Ten basketball, which means you probably watch a lot of Iowa basketball as well. You've also played against Iowa basketball. Um, I want to quickly run down some of your statistics. I do think this – I was looking at it. It was very impressive. Uh, in 2015-2016, you had one game, 30 points, three boards, four assists, and three steals. Um, that was that really good team with Jared Utoff and uh, the rest of that the strong Iowa team. 2014-2015, uh, the first game you had 15 points, a board, two assists. The second game, 16 points, four rebounds, three assists. And your last game in 2013-2014 versus Iowa, 20 points, six rebounds, five assists. Um, a pretty darn good showing against the Hawkeyes. Uh, those were arguably the two of the three better defensive teams Fran has ever had, too. So uh, very impressive nonetheless. What was your experience at Northwestern playing against Iowa, though? Hey, y'all, need to quickly pause the conversation with Trey Demps. I hope you are enjoying it as much as I have been. But I want to remind you that this is the time of year that I've pretty much usually given up on all my New Year's resolutions, but not this year. I'm sticking to my resolutions to eat right thanks to Built Bar. It almost feels like it's not really a resolution at all because I'm actually enjoying eating them. And have you tried the Built Puffs? If you haven't, you're absolutely missing out on one of Built Bar's best tasting bars. Puffs are the first ever protein-infused marshmallow. They're fluffy. They're marshmallowy. They're not just a protein bar. They're a treat, and they're covered in 100% real chocolate, as are all of Built Bar's awesome bars that they have created. And not only are they absolutely delicious for you, they're also nutritious as well. 130 calories, only 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, plus they come with 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a normal candy bar, and it is absolutely blowing that candy bar out of the water. So right now, if you want to get your hands on a Built Bar and keep your New Year's, New Year's resolutions going, go to Built.com. That's B-U-I-L-T.com. And use the promo code LOCKED15. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5. And you'll get 15% off your next order. Use that promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. It is Super Week brought to you by Get Upside, and there's no better place to get coverage of the big game than the Locked On NFL podcast. Plus, the Locked On Bengals and Locked On Rams are going to be in LA as well, keeping you covered all week during the big game. Man, that, it was the hardest team to guard, without question. Like, everybody talks about how fast Michigan State pushes the ball up the court. To me, Iowa pushes the ball faster than any team. And they're the hardest team to guard because once they push the ball up the court so fast, they get into that motion offense. Guys are cutting, moving like you you feel like you're never you never get a break during the game. I don't know what kind of conditioning program that they have, but I mean, how in shape those guys are, you know, on both ends of the court. It, it's incredible. Like it, they were so hard to guard and um and I always tell people during my time there, I know you just brought up some of the stats, but if you looked at the other side uh, of who I normally was guarding, especially <laughs> young, uh, when I was younger, Roy Devin Marble was definitely the hardest player for me to guard just because he was taller than me. He was older than me. He was stronger than me. Like he, he would just, it, it was just a tough matchup for me, you know, just because he was six, 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 seven, could shoot over the top of you. So that was a guy that I always struggled with, especially, you know, they're getting the ball at the court so fast. They're they're moving in that motion. Like, you know, there's a ton of screens you got to get through. So that's for me, that's what I remember playing against Iowa, just like constantly just being gassed from playing. <laughs> um, that's that's interesting. I mean, Iowa does push the ball all the freaking time. Do you feel like 
that hurts them on the defensive end though as well. You mentioned how good of condition they were in, but um, sometimes when you push the ball that high, that fast, the other teams might get in the same kind of tempo. They might also push the ball. They're going to have a lot more scoring opportunities. Do you feel like that hurts them defensively at all? You know, I think they have an identity. You know, I think if you look big picture, it might, but I would rather have an identity as a program than to say like, oh, well, you know, because we they push the ball, they take a ton of quick shots and give up some easy buckets on the other end. I look at it more as like, look, that, that that's Iowa basketball. You know what I mean? That's the brand of basketball that Fran McCaffrey has built. And I love it. I like I I love watching it now just because um, I mean they get so many easy baskets. Like the crazy, like when you watch Iowa, they they'll give up a make, and then they'll just go right down the floor and get the two points back. Like not a lot of teams are able to do that. Like that's that's a that's a rare thing. Um, so I mean I, you got to give Fran McCaffrey a ton of credit to like what he's built, the culture, the identity. You know, they want to play fast pace. They want to get a bunch of shots up. They want to play with great tempo. I think they're second or first in the uh, conference in tempo uh, with the Kempom stats. So to me, that that's that's exciting. And it's exciting brand of basketball, too. Like, it's not like they're walking the ball up the court. So I think Iowa fans should be appreciative for that, just the culture. I can definitely appreciate that, that look at it. Because we when you look at Iowa basketball games – uh, yes, the offense is fun, but then we get into those slumps, right, where we're not shooting well and things aren't going well, and all of a sudden our defense can't hold us together and we lose by 15 and everyone gets pissed off because our defense is so terrible. So I think it is – it always is a give and a take, but I think your perspective is, on yeah. that was really nice. I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so this year, uh, Iowa doesn't have the three-point shooters that they've had in the past, right? We don't have a C.J. Frederick, which is a – whole controversial and long story um, that no one wants to talk about. We don't have the same Jordan Bohannon, it feels like, right? Jordan has struggled sure. quite a bit shooting the three this year um, in a different role, nonetheless, but still shooting the three not as well. Joe Wieskamp is gone. Luca Garza, you don't typically talk about six foot 11 centers as a key three-point shooting guy, but we lost several really impactful three-point shooters this year. And in our half-court offense, uh, we kind of struggle a little bit. Is that something you're noticing as well? And uh, what do you attribute, you know, to some of our struggles in a half-court offense? Because we are doing a great job of getting out uh, in transition. Sure. Patrick McCaffrey, uh, you don't typically see a six-foot-eight guy push the ball up the court and just go coast-to-coast coast, or Keegan Murray or a Chris Murray. But, man, in a half-court set, we've had some struggles, especially against zone defenses. Um, is that something you've noticed as well? Yeah, what I see is a team that's trying to find itself. You just, you know, you just mentioned all the guys that they lost. I mean, you know, you lose two NBA players. Uh, CJ Fredericks was obviously a great shooter, a guy that could get hot. So I mean, like, it, it takes time. You know what I mean? Like, and then also what they, you know, what they did, um, putting Joe Toussaint as a starting po point guard and having Jordan Bohannon play off the ball. You know, I don't know what how Jordan Bohannon felt about that, but it seemed watching last game because, you know, they started Jordan Bohannon last game that he likes to be the point guard. You know, it, it seemed like he had a little bit more energy pop to him on both ends of the court. I don't, defensively, I don't that was one of his best great. games. I think defensively, that was like arguably his best game he's played right. defensively. Right, I mean, the, the, the job that they did on the guards um, – 
you know, him and Aaron Euless were kind of matched up with uh, Stevens and Willis. I mean, they, they took him out the game in the second half. And so it just the energy that Jordan Bohannon played with last game was, I think Hawkeye fans should be encouraged because he just looked engaged. And I mean, I'll keep it real. He didn't look engaged. He looked, something looked wrong. I can tell when a player is not happy and something's wrong, there was something wrong. And there was a conversation that was had and it looked like it worked. So Hawkeye fans should be encouraged by that uh, in regards to Jordan Bohannon. And it looks like, and it looked like he wanted, he wants to be a point guard. Yeah. He wants to have the ball in his hands. Um, so yeah, I, I would be encouraged. I, I forgot what what uh oh the half court, the half court. I mean that, that was basically because Joe Toussaint was kind of the the guy running the point, and our half court offense just wasn't really getting it done. So it, right. it, the, the answer you kind of answered that question indirectly, but it, it worked out very well, and I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so that's what I mean. Obviously, Patrick McCaffrey is being more of a versatile threat on the offensive end, which I think is opening up a lot. He's he's being a knock or being able to knock down threes. That's a huge um, development, which is huge because that's going to open up driving lines for Keegan and Chris Murray. Um, so I think this is a team right now. I think that's you got to be excited because they're they're still winning some games while finding themselves at the right time. I like that, man. This is a very positive episode of the show. I mean, because every other game, we're like, oh my gosh, we're going into like a free fall. This team is terrible. What is going mm-hmm. on? We had to like fend off all these different, uh, literally after Iowa beat Minnesota, there were legitimate comments from fans saying, should Billy Taylor be our head coach and should we fire Fran? And uh, it is just, uh, it's oh, absurd, man. On, uh, man. Twitter, Twitter's, Twitter's a bad space to be on after after an Iowa basketball game sometimes. Um but nevertheless, it is interesting you mentioned the Jordan Bohannon stuff because Jordan Bohannon, because uh, obviously he had the standpoint, he had that podcast previously, and he kind of mentioned on there he wasn't really planning on coming back because he didn't want to take Joe Toussaint's spot. Sure. Um, but Fran said when CJ left, you can play the two, and Joe thought or Jordan thought, okay, great, I can come in, I can play the two. But as you mentioned, I, I think it, I think it might have been a harder transition than maybe he realized. Sure. Um, the idea was that he'd be coming off screens, getting a lot of open looks but he has never traditionally been a guy coming off screens, getting just a catch and shoot type of opportunity. He's been more of a dribble down the floor, pop it from five feet behind the perimeter and, and call it good. Right. So it's definitely an interesting situation. Um, Joe Toussaint. Uh, I want to get your thoughts on him. I mean, he's a guy who has so much potential, but it feels like it's just pure chaos when he plays. Um, and that chaos sometimes is magic. And that chaos other times is just so detrimental to the Iowa basketball team. Sure. Um, is that something you're seeing as well? I, I felt like he would have developed more towards this point, but I'm just not seeing it with Joe Toussaint. What are your thoughts on him? All right, y'all, one last pause of the conversation because I want to remind you that BetOnline.net has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football continues its march through the playoffs right into the big game in just a couple of days. BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just football. BetOnline has up-to-the-minute info on pro and college hoops, NHL, boxing, UFC, along with live real-time updates of current games. I personally love going to BetOnline.net. actually won a lot of money by taking Arizona State to beat UCLA, ranked UCLA, at plus 600 in a live game bet at BetOnline.net. It is my go-to. It should be yours as well. So don't wait to take advantage of all the new amazing offers available for the 2022 season. BetOnline.net, where the game starts.
Well, the one thing, he doesn't turn the basketball over. So as out of control he appears sometimes, he, Iowa doesn't turn the basketball over. So to play that fast and to not turn the basketball over, I mean, that's a credit to him. I mean, you look at Michigan State, they they have a ton of turnovers in conference play. Um, and you can probably make the argument that Michigan State has more talented point guards uh, yeah. than Joe Toussaint. But, I, you know, I do like Joe Toussaint coming off the bench and giving you 20, 25 minutes in that capacity, playing with that second unit a little bit more. I think that was the right call to make. Um, and like that, that wasn't Billy. That that was Fran's call. Like Fran yeah. was still the coach. <laughs> like it wasn't like Fran gets COVID and then Billy, you know, <laughs> the lineup positions are completely off the table. Yeah, people. I was like, what is going on here? Like this was a no. decision that Fran talked about a week ago. So, <laughs> right. So yeah, I I've always thought I like what Joe Toussaint brings to the table. I just like it coming off your bench. He okay. brings toughness. He brings he changes the pace of the game. A lot of times, like he did last year, he seems to have a good uh, connection with the the Murray brothers, which is awesome. So, yeah. and I and I like you know I don't know if Eulis will start now um, at the two after the way he played instead of Perkins, but yeah, I, I, I like I think they found something. You know what yeah. I mean? Especially, I mean, you you play a second half like that. You know, I know it's against Minnesota, who's the bottom of the Big Ten team, but to take a take out, you know, Battle and Willis in that second half, I think I think fans should be encouraged. Like there there's some there's some momentum here. You know, even though you lose a tough, I mean, Penn State's a good team. You know, like yeah. they're, they're they're a good team. It's hard to win at their place. So, you know, I think I think Hawkeye fans should be patient understand that it takes time it might take a whole season to figure it out and then you kind of hit your potential you know later down the road when uh you know big 10 tournament ncaa tournament starts yeah and you have to feel encouraged anytime you have a guy like keegan murray on the court or you have a guy like jordan bohannon who has shown at times he can get very very hot from three and is able to hit some of those big shots um, in big-time moments. So you have to feel pretty encouraged about the team going into Big Ten tournament play. Um, you look at the rest of the schedule, they have nine games left. I would argue they're going to be favored in six of those. Uh, I think if you win six of those nine games, you're assuredly in the tournament. I think if you win five of those nine games, you win one of the Big Ten tournament, you're probably in the NCAA tournament. Advanced metrics seem to love the Hawks. Uh, so Ken Palm has them, I think, at 21. Last I checked, net ranking had them at 22 or something like that. So mm-hmm. uh, definitely, definitely encouraging. As you mentioned, they're still figuring it out, which I think is an amazing perspective. Like they still are not there yet. And I think people right. want to see this team that we saw last year, but we lost so many players. Uh, it right. can be a little bit difficult. So turning our attention to um, kind of Keegan Murray, what do you like about Keegan Murray's game? And um, I guess, you know, how, how surprising is this story? I mean, so Keegan Murray, uh, I don't, do you know his story a little bit? Yeah. 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 Just, so, I mean, just it, you know, wasn't recruited. I think what Western yeah. Illinois was his only offer. Yeah. I mean, he wasn't recruited out of high school, goes prep school, still doesn't get recruited. Uh, I would love to bring up the tweets from Iowa fans saying how dare Fran McCaffrey offer these guys scholarships and stuff. Cause, uh, dude, it, 
it was like it was uh, it was not a not a good day on Twitter that day. But Keegan Murray uh, just been phenomenal. What are your thoughts on Keegan and also Chris as well? I feel like Chris is not getting nearly as much love, but ready to kind of take over at some point as well. Well, you know, I'll be honest. I didn't watch a ton of Big Ten basketball last year, but I did. I did. I watched him enough to get an idea. Like there's something there with him. Um, just as I think his his ability to play with other great players, I think last year and be a role player and just to kind of find his spots and play off of Garza, I think that's going to bode well for him when he goes to the next level because mm-hmm. he's not going to be the best player on his team when he plays in the NBA. But he's already shown like he can still score and be effective on the court when there's other great players. But the thing that I'm most impressed with Keegan Murray, I think is his body control. I think that that is something in basketball that's not talked about enough because a lot of times you have these guys with a ton of athleticism, a ton of size, a ton of talent. But if you don't have body control, it's hard to create a rhythm on the offensive end. And what I mean by that is like you drive – you know, especially Big Ten defenses, everybody's collapsing, everybody's physical. Like, you have to be able to stay on balance to get a good, efficient look. And a lot of players aren't able to do that. And so because of that, they drive in there and they just kind of throw some garbage up. Like, I very rarely see Keegan Murray do that as much as he drives the ball to the basket. And then, as I mentioned before, just his ability to get easy looks. Like he's, he's a dog, like in terms of like getting offensive rebounds, running out in transition. Like, I don't know if there's a stat, but I'm, he averages like 22, 23 points a game. I'm sure like seven of those points are like just off of like, just playing hard. And so I think that gives him a rhythm so that now I can make that contested three. Now I can, make that isolation drive, spin, get to my mid-range, all that type of stuff. So, I mean, I I love his game. I love his game. I love his game for the pro level. I think he's going to be a great role player. And I think Hawkeye fans should just be appreciative while you have him. <laughs> yeah, man, it's, uh, it's pretty fun to go from Luca Garza to another National Player of the Year candidate in Keegan Murray. And I don't think – Anyone can appreciate that enough. It's a pretty amazing time to be an Iowa Hawkeye fan all around. Um, I want to have one more question about the men's basketball team. But first, as we're talking about National Player of the Year candidates, uh, thoughts on the GOAT, Caitlin Clark, and what she's doing mm-hmm. on the women's side. Man, it's incredible. It's incredible, man. Like, we were we were watching her in, in the network um, – you know, we have our men's games on and then, you know, you have the women's game on. It's like, we, we, like, man, forget the men's game. <laughs> this wasn't her 45 point performance. This was, it was another game, but it's just yeah. like when she's on the TV, like she's, she's the, she's the center of attention. Like mm-hmm. she's more fun to watch than whatever men's game is going on. That's, that's my point. And, um, because I'm in there, actually, I'm in the, the studio a lot of times on Thursdays. And Thursdays, uh, the network has women's games yep. on, the, on the network. And so, and then the men's games are usually on ESPN or FS1 or something. And so we'll have, you know, both both games. But, like, when she's on, like, it's hard to not watch her. Just, 
just because I mean she's she's a special player and she's still unselfish too. Like to go along with her ability to to knock down threes, like her ability to find her teammates. Like you 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 don't know what she's gonna do when she comes down the court. Is she gonna <laughs> pull it from thirty? Is she gonna get in the lane? Is she gonna hit a step back? Is she gonna find an open teammate? Like you just don't know. Like she's so versatile on the offensive end, and she's so skilled too. Like. I mean, she she's she's amazing, man. I mean, some of those shots that she hit against Michigan, I'm just <laughs> come on, man. I know they were they were working, they're trying to get back in the game, and so that was part of the reason. But like, it's but like she still hit them too. Like it's the shot clock, and she's pulling. I mean, it's like she's floating towards the sideline, hitting some of these threes, man. It's I mean, she's she's the funnest player and most box office player in all of college basketball, without question. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, I love the one where she was getting triple teamed from literally the, the early part of the front part of the court and she took it all the way down and then just drained it from the logo. Yeah. Like, cool. <laughs> like, right. how it's do you like, defend you know, that? Just, like in shock. Like, yeah. first of all, that you had the audacity to take it. Yeah. And then second, for it to look so smooth and so easy for it to go in, it, it's it's incredible to watch. That's amazing, man. Yeah, it's uh, it's a, again good time to be an Iowa Hawkeye. Caitlin Clark, so much fun to watch. Keegan Murray, so much fun to watch as well. Um, two last questions for you. I know I've kept you a while. Uh, Jordan Bohannon, uh, he's been at Iowa for what seems like a decade. Uh, it's honestly he got he got there the year after I left. Oh wow, yeah, okay. So yeah, he's been yeah. Oh, that would make sense. 30. Yeah, I mean, he's like he's twenty. I think he's turning twenty four, and he might be going on twenty five. So yeah, he's he's been there quite some time. Um, right. What are your thoughts on Jordan? And uh, we talked a little bit about this before the show, but he's, I think he's arguably one of the most uh, controversial Iowa players. I think he's the guy that most opposing teams love to hate. He's sure. the Brad Davison of Iowa, I guess you could say. Um, what are your thoughts on Jordan Bohannon as a basketball player and also what he did for, for NIL as well? Kind of a weird two-part question there, but. Yeah, I think he's great for Kyle. I think, listen, I think you need edge in your program, you know, in, in whatever way, shape, or form you can get it. And that's what – he's controversial. Like, that's who he is, you know. Uh, I think it's awesome. I think it, you need that type of personality in your locker room. You need that type of personality in your league just because it, it, it's going to generate revenue for the league, for the school. Like, it makes people – want to see what's going on with Big Ten, Hawkeye basketball. Like, I think it's awesome. I think the negative flack that he gets is, you know, if anything negative, it should just be his play. Like, what he does on the court. I think that's the only and, – and he deserves some of the negative flack that he got. You know, I would say there was a – after he – from the time he broke the record – to the last game, I think he deserved some of that criticism because it all had to do with his play. It didn't have to do with him, you know, riding mm -hmm. on his shoes or, or was that he like wrote on like or something? Uh, that, that was a couple. Yeah, that was like two years ago at Iowa State. He said thanks for the match. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, 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 no, like that's 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 the competitive. Yeah, never of the game. It, it like, makes it fun. It's a rivalry. It makes it. It makes rivalry. It makes it, and people don't understand. It creates revenue. Like people tune in because of that. People Twitter click. You know, like those things make sports fun. And I think 
you got to give him credit just for being, you know, staying true to who he is um, in doing that. And so the only thing you should, that fans should criticize him for is if he's not playing hard, which he, he played extremely hard last game. Yeah. It was a great game against Minnesota. My last question for you, Trey, since we're definitely going over the time I told you I would take of your time. So no, no, you're um, good, man. I appreciate it. How, how far do you feel like this team could go? We talked about the fact that uh, you feel like this team is still finding itself. There's still, you know, several games for the Big Ten tournament. Uh, there's a lot of talent on this team, but how far do you feel like this team can actually go? You know, I, I think they can go the distance, believe it or not. And I think a lot of it has to do the way that their roster is constructed. Constructed. I think there's a lot of, like, mismatch nightmares that teams could have. You know, one thing I've all, I've said a ton on the network, I love when they play the Murray brothers at the four and five. Because it just it brings a different feel. They're fast. They're explosive. You know, they give up a lot in size, but you know they they have a lot of firepower and mismatch opportunities on the offensive end. So I think like when you put that lineup out there, Rabrach is playing better and more physical. Like I, I really think like you know that realistically they'll probably be like an eight seed if if they continue to kind of do what they're supposed to do, seven, eight seeds. So, you know, you get to the second round, you get a two seed that has a lot of bigs and, you know, can't really match up with their athleticism and, and uh, versatility on the offensive end. Like who knows, you know what I mean? As long as you win that first one, who knows what could happen in that, uh, that two, seven game, you know, you get a team like Texas, who's, you know, huge and, you know, they don't, they don't have, from what I, I'm just giving an example, like they don't have a ton yeah. of guards that are, can match up with Iowa. Like you, you just never know. Like it's all about matchups come NCAA tournament time. So yeah, I, I think they can, they can definitely make a push and, and Frank can get his first uh, sweet 16 team. Yeah, man. Uh, you're, you're the, the thing you're alluding to is, is speaking volumes to Iowa fans from last year where Iowa met up with an Oregon team who probably right. was a little bit underseated in my opinion, but nevertheless, an Oregon team that had no one over six foot six and just absolutely ran Iowa out of the freaking gym. Uh, but you're absolutely, we have three six foot eight guys, Patrick, Keegan, and Chris, who can guard arguably two through five, can right. shoot, can drive and have long lanky arms. And then Philip Abracha, I feel like has been playing really well the last probably four or five games being aggressive, being physical, despite being undersized where he's at. Um, if we can get some solid guard play, Jordan Mohannes are hitting some shots. I think this is a team that does have the potential. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see a team that see what they can do. Yeah. And if they peak at the right time too, like the, I think that second half showed me something like of like what they have in their having the tank. And like if their favorite six out of the last nine, you win six or seven of those. Now, all of a sudden, you're peaking at the right time. And that's that's an important thing as well. Absolutely, man. Well, Trey, I have really appreciated your time. You've given me a lot of positive thoughts going into the back half of the season for the Iowa basketball team. Uh, appreciate that for sure. Where can the folks find you at for uh, all of your great analysis, man? Yes, I'm on, I'm on the Big Ten Network. Uh, you know, it kind of varies from week to week. But a lot of times I'm on Thursdays on the big show. Friday, Big Ten today, and then uh, normally doing games on Saturdays as well. So, yeah, that's it's been a lot of fun, and I look forward to 
following the best uh, basketball conference in all of college basketball. Heck yeah, man. The best basketball conference with Iowa, hopefully making a run for it as well. Trey, as always, it's been a pleasure, man. I'll hopefully have you on another time as well. Uh, you just gave me seriously so much positive thoughts about Iowa basketball. I think our Iowa Hawkeye faithful out there are going to be really excited about this conversation. Iowa Hawkeye fans, you can tune in every single day, Monday through Friday, right here in the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast. Just a reminder to check out the Lockdown Bets podcast as well. You can find three to four games to bet on, some Big Ten games, some Iowa games potentially, and you can do that at betonline.com net so make sure to check out the lockdown bets podcast thank you hawkeye fans for tuning in have a fantastic wednesday and as always let's go hawks